Hello everybody, you listen to J Movie Talk, episode 189, as I'll be talking Sin City. I haven't seen you like this in a while. You had a fight with some cops? Didn't happen to kill any of them, did you? Not that I know of, but they know they've been in a fight, that's for damn sure. How the hell do you suppose I'm going to square this with the board? <laughs> there ain't no squaring it, not this time. This isn't some barroom brawl, or some creep with a gas can trying to torch someone. Oh, hey, hey, this is big. Settle down, Marv. Take another pill. Hey, there ain't no settling down. This is blood for blood and part of gallons. This is the old days and the bad days, the all or nothing days. They're back. There's no choices left. And I'm ready for war. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am back. Continuing on with Robert Rodriguez month. Um, hope you guys been enjoying the episode so far. Planet Terror, which I did as well as um machete um for robert rodriguez month and now here i am continuing on with uh sin city uh, which was once again directed by robert rodriguez who at this point in 2005 he was kind of in in a certain stride and around this time he had been he kind of went back to his um mariachi um series which he kind of concluded that with once upon a time in mexico um a few years earlier but also too he had started doing the uh the kind of kitty films the uh shark boy and lava girl series as well um but this movie sin city falls in right around that time frame um and it was a interesting concept that they came up with making with doing this movie i should say because of the fact that it was going to be something different where the movie was basically going to be a not necessarily an adaption but more of a translation from graphic novel to film of this sin city series um by created by frank miller um and everything so Robert Rodriguez being the type of filmmaker that he is, I guess he saw this as like a new challenge and he wanted to make this movie. Cause one of the things about Robert Rodriguez, and I think I've said it in previous episodes is that the dude, he, he is a innovator and he, he, he likes to like go outside the box and think outside the box as far as being creative with his filmmaking i know you know like guys like steven spielberg and james cameron you know guys like that you know they get lauded for you know the visionary and innovative ways that they have been in the past with their filmmaking which rightfully so they they did change the game at certain points in their careers as well and i don't think robert rodriguez gets mentioned enough um, as far as that, when it comes to his style of filmmaking as well, because R- Rodriguez, he he kind of fits into that mode of like a Sam Peckinpah, a Walter Hill. Um, I'm trying to think who else, um, but mainly those two um, as far as doing things outside of the norm, um, as far as making films and being creative with how how movies are made. Um and everything, Quentin Tarantino as well. I, I would throw him in there as well, also too. But Rodriguez, I think from a true like technical standpoint, is a little bit more creative in that regard than Tarantino is. 
whereas Tarantino is more of it from a writing and you know standpoint like that but Rodriguez he he likes to take chances with certain things and this was one of those things he wanted to take a chance with so that's how the movie of Sin City kind of came about and because I I mean, I'm not really a graphic novel reader. So when I first heard about it, it's like, okay, this is going to be something different, you know, and everything. And and a lot of people who were and everything, they were interested in see like, okay, how exactly he's going to do this and everything. And then when you started seeing like the the, uh, trailers and stuff like that for it's like, oh, okay, this this is cool and everything Um, or whatnot. So before, of course, getting into talking about the movie. Um, just want to go through and talk about the synopsis and the cast real quick. So the movie is basically a movie that explores the dark and miserable town Basin City tells the story of three different people all caught up in a violent corruption. And it starts, um, uh, we have Mickey Rourke as Marv, Clive Owen as Dwight, Bruce Willis as Herrick Hardigan, uh, Jessica Alba as Nancy, Devin Anoki as Miho. Um, we have Alexis Bedell as Becky. Powers Booth as Senator Rourke. Uh, Rosario Dawson as Gail. Benicio Del Toro as Jackie Boy. Michael Clark Duncan as Minute. Um, Tommy Flanagan shows up here. Um, Carla Georgina shows up as Lucia. Josh Hartnett, known simply as The Man. Uh, Rucker Howard as Cardinal Rourke. Um, let's see. Jamie King play, takes on double duty here as Goldie and Wendy. Uh, Nikki Cat shows up in this movie. Michael Matson plays Bob. Um, Frank Miller has an, a, a small part as a priest in here. Brittany Murphy as Sheila. Um, let's see. Who else? Uh, Marley Shelton as the customer. Uh, let's see. Nick Stahl plays Rourke Jr. A.K.A. the Yellow Bastard. Um, Mackenzie Vega shows up as young Nancy. Let's see. Elijah Wood plays Kevin. I mean, there's a lot of people in this freaking movie. Um, or whatnot. And... It, I mean, it has a really good cast um, and everything. So the movie kicks off with uh, the scene between Marley Shelton and Josh Hartnett on the roof balcony, um, which was used to actually help promote the movie of even being made. Because this was actually shot first where it appears that they're lovers or whatnot and they're talking and everything like that. And then we find out that Josh Hartnett ends up shooting her. And he's doing like the narration over the whole scene and then it fades out into the night and everything. And then we get the, the sin city of opening logo or whatnot. So it was like right there, that's kind of a grabber. Like, okay, what exactly is going on here? Type of thing. Um, I mean, I've talked about Marley Shelton and the machete episode and like how I just feel like, She's always been one of those actresses who's kind of been looked over as far as being an actor or whatnot, but she doesn't really get the credit that she truly deserves um, and everything. So after, uh, so basically after that, right, we get to where the movie is basically about 
three different major storylines, like what the synopsis says. You got three people who get caught up in uh, corruption that revolves around the Rourke family and everything. So I'm kind of going to break it down into each one of those segments. Um, so I'm going to start with the whole thing with Hardigan and Nancy, um, which actually is where it starts anyway. So we get the character of Hardigan, who's this grizzled cop and everything, which is perfect for Bruce Willis, right? Because that's what he's used to playing grizzled, you know, cop and veterans and stuff like this and just uh, tired of life type of thing. But um, so basically we see where he's trying to stop, you know, these guys who has this little girl, Nancy. Or whatnot, because we find out that the guy who has her, he's a child killer. Uh, might as well say pedophile or whatnot too, and everything. And Hardigan, he's basically you know doing doing everything he can to save Nancy, which he ends up doing. But in the process of everything, he ends up getting shot, um, and ends up in the hospital. But not before he actually takes out Rourke Jr. He shoots him. Uh, in the ear so he shoots his ear off and then he takes away his weapon um both of them uh which is basically shoots off his hand and then he shoots in between the legs and everything and like i said harrigan he ends up in in the hospital or whatnot so when he ends up in the hospital he's visited by senator rourke um who basically Give this great speech by Powers Booth. Evening, officer. I don't have to introduce myself, do I? You read the papers? It's been an election year. You've seen plenty of my picture. You know who I am and what I can do. I'm doing you, Hardigan. Cold and hard, I'm doing you. You blew my son's ear off. Blew his arm off, even blew his nuts and his pecker off. He's in a coma right now. They say he may never come out of it. My boy, he could have been the first rock to become the president of the United States, but you went and turned him into a brain-damaged, dickless freak. Pulling that trigger make you feel powerful. Power don't come from a badge or a gun. Power comes from lying. Lying big and getting the whole damn world to play along with you. Once you got everybody agreeing with what they know in their hearts ain't true, you got them by the balls. There's what, maybe 500 people in this hospital. I could pump you full of bullets right now and I wouldn't even be arrested. Everyone would lie for me, everyone who counts. Otherwise, all their own lies, everything that runs in the city, it all comes tumbling down like a pack of cards. <laughs> but I want you firm and fit and healthy. I'm even putting up cash of my own to get you more surgery. Fix that heart condition of yours. You're gonna keep on living a long time, I'll make sure of that. You're gonna be convicted of raping that little brat and shooting my boy. And you're gonna spend the rest of your life in prison, disgraced, destroyed, alone. 
Your wife. You tell her the truth and she's dead. You tell anybody the truth and they're dead. It's very eerily similar to something that Trump, former President Trump, has said um, with how he could take a gun. He could shoot somebody right now and he wouldn't, you know, lose anything for it. It, it, It's very similar. Uh, I mean, I put it into the episode and like I say, it's an interesting speech and everything. But basically, he's warning Hardigan about like if he tells the truth about anything, you know, he's dead. If he tells any, basically, if he tells anybody, you know, he's dead. His wife is dead. Anybody that he know will be dead because basically Rourke Jr. was going to be the next president of the United States. But Harry Hardigan took that away from him because now his, now his son is gone and everything. So then some years go by and Hardigan, he gets out of jail uh, because he refused to talk and everything. So, and they got to the point where they couldn't break him. So he ends up being let out of jail because he thinks Nancy's dead or whatnot. And he gets out and he gets picked up by his former partner, Bob played by Michael Masson and everything. He gets dropped off at a uh, Katie's bar, which plays a integral part of this movie too. It's like a meeting ground for a lot of the characters in a way. And when he goes inside, he notices that the young woman that's dancing on the stage is Nancy. And he knows that he's been followed by some yellow freakish looking dude, which is only simply known as the yellow bastard um, and everything. And then he realizes like, like, oh, it's been a setup and everything like that. And, you know, he tries to warn her like, Nancy, you shouldn't have you shouldn't have come out of hiding. You know, now they're going to be gunning for you. But she doesn't really care because basically she's been in love with Harrigan ever since he saved her life as a kid and everything. Um. Bruce Willis in this movie is one of the, and I said this in the uh, Planet Terror episode, that this is one of the last times like Bruce Willis really cared in a movie um, as far as acting. And what's funny about it is that even though you can tell like the character of Harrigan is kind of going through the motions to some degree because he never, I mean, he loses it a few times in the movie, but Bruce Willis as an actor, you could tell like, he actually enjoyed doing this movie, even though the character kind of goes through the motions. Basically, he would kind of continue to play this character for years to come. Basically, is where he just like, oh, I'm just here, you know, with this low talking, never loses this cool or anything like that um, and everything. But I do enjoy him in this movie, not as much as like years past where, you know, he was he was cool and everything. Now he's kind of like an old he's, he's kind of turned to a bitter old man. Um, whatnot. Now I'm trying to think. Even the last Bruce Willis movie I've even seen, um, it might be what Expendables. Uh, is the last time I saw him, like really watched him in a movie or anything like that. And I know, I know that a lot of people don't like Jessica Alba as an actress. Um, I'm actually one of them. Um, I felt like her best role still to this day is from Dark Angel the tv series um everything after that it just kind of like okay yeah you're not as good as we thought you were and you're kind of just 
you're kind of just getting by based off of your looks and everything. And what's crazy about that is that she actually shows up in two Robert Rodriguez movies. And you would think like, what is she doing in his movies? Because his type of movies don't warrant someone like as far as the caliber actress that she is. I mean, if anything, I think they kind of should have went with a different actress, somebody probably more like maybe Eva Mendez at the time or even someone else that's in this movie, which I'll talk about them later when I, once I get to talking about that, that particular character um, that this person plays and everything. But yeah, Jessica Apple, she just never really, I feel like really did it for me as a actor. And I even said that in the machete episode, like, yeah, some maybe somebody else should have played her part in that movie as well. I mean, I know she was trying hard in that movie, but you can tell there's a limit. There's a ceiling when it comes to her range of acting and everything. So, um, Harrigan basically has to save Nancy once again. Uh, I know I'm kind of skipping over a bunch of stuff, but, uh, basically what happens is that, because of the fact that the yellow bastard who we find out is actually Rourke Jr. He gets his hands on Nancy once again and everything. And the beginning of the movie with Harrigan saving Nancy plays out again, just with grown up Nancy in somewhat similar fashion. But this time Harrigan manages to basically get rid of him completely this time, because not only does he shoot his ear off, shoot his hand off and, he doesn't shoot him between the legs, but this time he actually snatches it off. And then he begins to literally beat this man to death and just crumble his, his head into, to just chunks of flesh on the ground. And it just, it's a crazy scene when you see it really. But, um, and the movie, cause what's funny about this, this actually bookends the movie the whole Harrigan and Nancy thing. So we see it at the beginning. Then we go to the other stories and then we come back to after when Harrigan gets out of prison and everything like that or whatnot. But, um, after that, I guess because Harrigan realizes like Nancy's always going to be in danger. He decides to kill himself once Nancy leaves, because it's like, if there's no link to him, they can't use him to try to find her anymore. So he decides to self-sacrifice himself and let Nancy go and leave, live a, a better life um, and everything like that. So the next part of the movie that we get, we get the whole thing with Marv trying to find, trying to find Goldie's killer um, because with his story, it starts off with him with this woman Goldie in a uh, apartment and everything like that, and it's like one of the best nights of his life. But then we see where this mysterious young man comes in while they're asleep, and this thing, you know, Goldie is dead, and he's trying to figure out what the hell happened. The cops are showing up, and it's one of the gr- it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie where the cops is bursting, you know, banging on the door, like, come on, come out of there. And he's like, I'll be right out. And he literally comes right out when he bursts through the door, blasting these cops all over the place. It's a big shootout. He leaps down uh, the stairwell and proceeds to get the hell out of there. He, he 
beats up a couple of cops and whatnot and then he steals a cop car and disappears because he crashes into the water and then he gets the hell out of there or whatnot um it is like i say this mickey rourke in this role um is like one of my favorites um and everything and i know they always look at oh well the wrestler is his true comeback no sin city came out before the wrestler and to me it is his real comeback it's the movie i think that helped him even get the wrestler um and everything because you know yeah he had been going for a few years and of course all the stuff that he had done to his face and this that and the third but the makeup here is actually a plus because you're seeing marv the you know the character and because mickey rook is such a great actor it allows you to really get invested in what the character is all about and even though he's looked at as like this big brute and everything but he actually wants to do good he actually wants to do better and mickey rook gives the character a little bit more levity than i don't think anybody else probably could have given the character gives him a warmth in the heart and everything like that um so one of the craziest things about this movie too is elijah wood playing kevin who has no lines it's just he has this look on his face and you find out that he's basically a cannibal and everything he's the one that killed um goldie or whatnot and just just seeing him in that role is kind of funny because around this time you do have the lord of the ring movies so of course he can have like a major role or whatnot but the fact that he shows up here and he plays this kind of sinister character who says nothing but there's this crazy fight scene between marv and kevin that even though it's in some parts it's not them i mean because they never actually share any screen time together that's what's funny about this movie too because of how it was shot a lot of certain characters never even were in the same room with each other even even though they had scenes together and these two are a prime example of that and yeah it's mickey rourke uh in the fight scene but clearly it's not elijah wood in the fight scene uh it's a stunt double but um it's, it's just crazy like seeing him play that role and now looking at some of the roles that elijah wood has played here in recent um it's just kind of like this is pretty much where it started for him where he's taking on these different type of roles um so while marv is on his quest to find goldie's killer he comes across he, he finds out about the farm it's a Rourke family farm and just the Rourke family in general is is weird um and everything when you're looking at this movie and how they overlap everything that goes on in sin city they are the family is connected to something and even though i mean you got politician you have the clergy like they're involved in pretty much everything that goes on in sin city in one way form or fashion from a political and a religious uh standpoint in the movie so that kind of like over overlaps the whole movie as well um so during his quest of you know finding um goldie's killer he were introduced to wendy who is played by jamie king also but wendy is actually goldie's twin sister which freaks out marv because he think is he think that wendy is goldie at certain points and it's this whole running thing like he always needed his medication 
um, because his, his mind isn't always right. So it makes you wonder, like, OK, how much of this is actually really happening? How much of it is not really happening? And is some of this Marv just kind of going off his meds and just becoming a freaking madman or whatnot. But uh, one of my favorite scenes with Marv is the scene where he goes to see Lucille and they're in the bathroom and he's talking about the old days, the all for nothing days, they're back and everything. And it's just a great scene. And just the way he delivers his lines in that scene, it just shows like, yeah, Mickey Rourke is, you know, he's, he was a really good actor. Just imagine what his career could have been if things didn't go the way it went for him, unfortunately. Um, so on the quest of finding when uh, Goldie's killer and everything, Marv, he, he does end up killing Kevin because he finds out that Kevin is the one who killed her um, or whatnot. But then he ends up getting arrested and he goes to prison and he ends up getting the electric chair. But unlike most people who you just have to roll on one one time, maybe, maybe twice, depending on. They had to do him a couple of times because Marv just refused to die. And it's, it's almost it's sad, but it's funny at the same time, like how he goes out very defiant and Marv, he ends up dying. And it's crazy how like two of the main storylines end with the main character basically dying for whatever reason. Uh, let's say Harrigan, he dies by suicide. Marv, he goes to prison and gets the death penalty or whatnot. So I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like they decided to do that. Um, so the next main story, which is probably the story that gets like maybe the biggest amount of time, I feel like, um, or at least it just feels like it is that of Dwight um, played by Clive Owen and the whole thing with him dealing with the foolishness because of the cop Jackie boy played by Benicio del Toro. So this opens up with, um, Dwight and Sheila play well, Shelly. I'm sorry, not Sheila, Shelly played by Brittany Murphy. Um, they're at her apartment and there's a knock at the door and it's Jack Rafferty and his goons and everything. And, Shelly, of course, gets nervous or whatnot, but Dwight, he's like, eh, I ain't worried about this dude or whatnot. But Shelly's like, no, you have to hide because if he finds out you're here, it's going to be trouble and everything. So just to make to put her at ease, he basically he does what she asks. And Jack and his goons, they come in and, and Jack has been a complete asshole with her or whatnot and everything. And while he's there, he's like, you got to take a piss. So he goes into the bathroom and while he goes into the bathroom, Dwight comes out and he puts a razor to his to his throat and tells him, like, look, you're going to leave Shelly alone and everything like that. And then he's like, oh, I noticed you haven't flushed. And then he puts his head down in the toilet and basically gives him swirly in the in the toilet and, and everything like that. And it freaks Jack out because Jack's trying to figure out who the hell was that? Where'd he come from? And Shelly, she's looking like, what the hell just happened? But she doesn't say anything. And his his crew is looking like, what the, the hell happened to you? And everything. And Jack's like, no question, no question. Let's let's get out of here and everything. So they leave. And Shelly, she goes and see where Dwight is like up. He's outside on the ledge and everything. And Dwight, being somewhat of a do-gooder himself, he's like, you know, Jack is going, he's going to do something tonight. 
to somebody and said he must be stopped. And as he jumps from this freaking building, there's no way he should have lived from from the height that he jumped and everything. But he managed to do it. maybe because the coat, it, it was like a glider for him or something. I don't know. But as he's jumping, Shelly, in his voiceover, Dwight, that is, he says Shelly yells something to him like stop. But he's like, nah, I'm not going to stop and everything because, like I say, I know he's going to do something tonight. And I want to be there to make sure he doesn't. So Jack and his crew, they end up going to Old Town um, and everything. And they're looking for some action and this is where they find Becky walking the street because she's a street walker and they kind of roll up on her and Jack he basically you know is trying to get her attention and everything and she's playing coy with him or whatnot and Dwight he's there and right when they take her she takes him down the alley and everything and while they're down the alley Jack is about to I mean not Jack but Dwight is about to you know rush out and everything but then Gail, played by Rosario Dawson, shows up and is like, no, like my girls got this under control. We've had our eye on them since they entered Old Town and they just need to be taught a lesson or whatnot. So we see where deadly little Miho, who's up on the roof and everything, she takes out a star dagger and and everything. And she proceeds to basically dismantle these guys one by one and everything. And Jack, because he i forgot that some i think the star gets gets tossed into his his gun and he doesn't notice it and right when he's about to shoot it it blasts back and it hits him right in the head and he stumbles back and against the wall and he dies and everything and while everyone's checking him over that's when they find out that jack is actually a cop and then he realized that's what Shelly was yelling to him, not stop, but that Jack is a cop. And so now everyone starts to panic because of the fact that if Jack was a cop, this is going to bring some trouble down on them because, you know, the police in Old Town have had a truce for a number of years. And now this truce can be broken and things would go back to being how it used to be, which no one wants that. So. Um, just have to talk about Clive Owen for a second. Clive Owen always was one of my favorite actors, like in the two thousands and everything. Um, and I don't know, it was something always about him. Like he had like this underrated charisma about him. Um, and I know a lot of people actually felt that he should have played James Bond before they cast Daniel Craig. And I believe there was even a poll that was done and Clive Owen actually won the poll. And then next thing you know, Daniel Craig had been cast. And because I remember Clive Owen was doing that whole BMW driver series. And it's like, basically that's what he was. He was James Bond in those things. But for whatever reason, he didn't get cast as James Bond and, and everything. But I mean, at the same time, he, he still had a good career. Um, I always refer to this as being one of his uh, trench coat uh, movies. I mean, it's Sin City, um, the interpreter, um, as well as uh, Shoot 'Em Up and um, Children of Men. That's like his series of trench coat films. Um, and this just happened to be one of them or whatnot. Because he always had a freaking trench coat in those doggone movies for whatever reason. But 
Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed his character here. And even though similar to Harrigan, he doesn't like get overly emotional or whatnot, but you know, there is something like always bubbling at the surface with him. Um, you just don't know exactly what it is. Um, and everything. And just the way Clive plays it, I think it's real cool. He plays it real reserved and laid back, but I think him and Marv probably get the get the most to do of the the male leads here because like I say it's three male leads who basically that we follow um and everything. Now, another character person I want to talk about is that of Rosario Dawson who plays Gail and she's actually who I was referring to earlier when I was talking about potentially they could have played Nancy and probably been probably made it better um in regards to what Jessica Alba did with it. But I mean, she plays Gail. I actually like her as Gail. I mean, you get to see her uh, because one thing about Rosario Dawson is that she doesn't have a problem getting naked on film. Not to saying that you just want to see it, but if you know anything about what the Nancy character was supposed to be, the fact that she's this exotic dancer stripper or whatnot, she does get naked and everything. But when Jessica Alba got cast, that went completely out the door and everything. So, yeah, I, I do feel like maybe Rosario Dawson probably could have did a better job playing Nancy than what Jessica Alba did. But she does a really good job as Gail, too. And the relationship between Dwight and Gail is very interesting. And, you know, there's a backstory there, too, um, and everything. So Dwight, he decides like, hey, you know what? We got to clean this up. But we also, too, we got to get these bodies out of here because if anybody find these bodies, you know, it's really going to be trouble for everyone. So he decides that, oh, I'm going to drive. He's going to drive the car with all the bodies, you know, in the trunk, except for Jackie boy, who unfortunately he couldn't fit in the trunk. So he had to ride up front with him. And plus, it was going to make it be less, you know, conspicuous, like, hey, he's driving his car and at least there's somebody riding with him. So he gets on the road and he proceeds to start driving. And this scene with the two of them in the car, which was directed by Quentin Tarantino, this first part um, where it starts out where Dwight is kind of doing a monologue, which should have been in his head. But he's actually talking it out loud himself. And then you notice that Jack starts to move and he starts to talk to him. So it's like. But he's actually dead. But the way they do it, it's it's one. It's a cool scene, in my opinion. And just some really good acting between Clive Owen and Benicio del Toro, who seems to be having a ball playing this character of Jackie Boy. He even, you know, got made up to for this part because, you know, that's not really how Benicio del Toro look. You actually forget like that's not how he looks in real life and everything. Because they had they did a little work to him, um, as far as makeup goes. And like I said, you can just tell he's having fun with this part. And then, you know, he proceed, they proceed to get pulled over by the cops and everything. And that that's the part that from the part where they get pulled over is where Tarantino stopped. But just that whole car inside the car with just them talking and everything and just driving. That's that was directed by Tarantino um, or whatnot. And that was just him paying a favor back to his friend. Robert Rodriguez, who did the score for Kill Bill for just one dollar. So Tarantino repaid the favor by directing that little sequence in this movie for one dollar as well. Um, 
So one thing about the movie, too, that always kind of get mentioned is the fact that Dwight has a new face. Dwight has a new face. Like the way he looks now is not how he always looked. And in this movie, at least you're trying to figure out well, what exactly did he look like before, um, especially for people who had never read the graphic novels or anything. Um, of course, with the sequel, you do find out what he looked like before because Josh Brolin plays him in the sequel or whatnot um, and everything. But one particular character here in this movie always recognizes Dwight no matter what because of the fact that he 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 always recognizes him by his eyes he even though his face has changed but the eyes stayed the same and and I'm talking about the character of uh, Minute played by Michael Clark Duncan who he his master is he basically works for the Rourke's and everything um and everything but it's funny but previously he said he serves a new master so he basically is like a hired gun i almost want to compare him to like uh, the old wrestler mr hughes from wwf back in the day who used to wrestle in a basically like a business attire or whatnot that's who michael clark duncan as minute reminds me of he's like a hired gun and everything and he serves whoever is paying him or whatnot because like say in the sequel well sequel prequel technically uh you find out who he used to work for and why him and Dwight even have a history or whatnot. And the fact that Marv and Minute had a showdown as well, even though in the second movie, because at that point in time, Michael Clark Duncan had already passed away. So they had Dennis Haysbert take on the role of Minute. And I like Dennis Haysbert as an actor, but I don't think he fit Minute the way that Michael Clark Duncan did. Um, and it would have been cool to have like the fight scene be between Michael Clark Duncan and Mickey Rourke Marv opposed to Mickey Rourke and Dennis Haysbert or whatnot. But that's just my opinion on that. But, um, but yeah, like I say, we know that there's a lot of history between Manute and Dwight between Dwight and Gail. And like I say, a lot of that we do find out in the second movie. So, Dwight ends up getting the bodies to the um, to basically the dooms or whatnot, wherever he was taking them to dispose of the bodies. And while he's there, he gets ambushed by these mercenaries uh, led by Tommy Flanagan um, from Sons of Anarchy fame. He shows up and, you know, but Dwight, he ends up, you know, coming back and killing all of them. He gets down in the sewer with with Tommy Flanagan, who was like this bomb expert and everything. Cause they like the freaking IRA or something. And that's when Miho shows up and she takes him out and everything. And I, I like the little relationship that they developed between, uh, Dwight and Miho too, because Devin Anoki, who just seemed to her career is a weird one because it seems like anytime she gets attached to like big roles and everything like that, and you're thinking like, Hey, you know, she's going to continue on for some reason. She always ends up having her, her career always takes a detour because of reasons, because she didn't show up as Miho in the second Sin City movie because she was pregnant at the time. So she couldn't do the movie um, and everything. And then her character is completely, 
uh, dispatched from the Fast and Furious franchise because, I mean, she was a part of Ludacris's crew in Too Fast, Too Furious, and you think, like, maybe she would have returned, but she never did. Um, and they never mentioned that character ever again. So, unfortunately, her career kind of just has always kind of gone that way. But here, her playing this deadly assassin is, like, one of the standouts. And she never says a word in the movie um, and everything. But, so, the whole thing is that Minute he wants to use the whole Jack Rafferty, you know, death um, as a way to get the old town to going back to being how it was. So he ends up kidnapping Gail and trying to use her to get um, Dwight to turn over what's left of Jack, which is just his head at this point and everything. And then there's this whole big standoff um, with them on a rooftop. And we find out here too, is that Becky was the one who actually gave up uh, everybody because she wants to take care of her mom and she's tired of being a prostitute, but she decides to, you know, switch out on her, on the girls that's been with her since day one and everything. So while they're all out there meeting up on the roof and Dwight has Jack's head and everything, she's the one who actually says like, Hey, that wasn't always, you know, why's he got tape on his mouth? He didn't always have tape on his mouth. And then they, uh, Dwight proceeds to blow up uh, Jack's head and knocks his minute back and everything like that. And it's like, ah, well, Dwight McCluskey, you're about to die or whatnot. But then they realize like all the old town prostitute girls are on the rooftop and they have the automatic weapons and they proceed to gun all of them down. Um, so Manute gets killed along with all these men. And in the process of that, Becky gets shot. So the movie basically should have ended after uh, the whole thing that happened. Uh, with Harrigan and Nancy and everything, because I mean, it's the the movie jump does this whole thing of where like the main characters for some reason always had to die, you know, self sacrifice had to die, or whatnot. But we we have a happy ending here with the whole Dwight and the old town girls um, and everything, and then it goes back to Harrigan and Nancy or whatnot, and then Harrigan he sacrifices himself by suicide so that Nancy would be safe and everything. So the movie goes to where Becky, she's at the hospital after being, you know, being uh, looked over about after being shot and everything. So she's leaving the hospital and she gets on the elevator or whatnot to leave. And we notice that the guy that's dressed like a doctor that's on there is Josh Hartnett's character. And he proceeds to start narrating once again. And you know that something bad was going to happen because just like with the whole thing with um, Marley Shelton, he has to, careful of smoke and and everything and then he proceeded to kill her so while becky's talking on the phone he's like you know i forgot exactly the line that he says but then he takes off the glasses and he looks at her and he's like becky and she turns and she looks at him and he's like careful of smoke and she knows like something bad's about, about to happen because she's like i'll call you back mom no no she said i love you too mom and then she hangs up and that's where the movie goes off so, you know, Becky was killed by him because his character actually should have been um, revealed to be, I believe he should have been revealed to be somebody else, but they never went there with it um, and everything. Because I think he's supposed to be like the colonel or something like this, who's like an assassin, something I read at least. But 
they never like fully acknowledged who he's supposed to be and everything um but that's pretty much uh sin city um like i say it's, it's one of my favorites actually uh wish we got more of josh hartnett's character especially in a sequel or whatnot but we don't um at least for the sequel that we did get we he, he doesn't show up or anything um if i had to rate the movie i would give it a solid four out of five because it's very enjoyable um and everything like that it plays almost similar ish to pulp fiction um as far as how they kind of jump around with the different stories and how one particular story bookends the whole thing or whatnot but it's a graphic novel brought to the screen um and everything um if i had to pick a favorite character i mean i did have a few but if I had to go with an overall favorite character, I probably would go with Mickey Rourke as Marv um, and everything like that. Um, so that's pretty much it. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, of course, you can hit me up on the Twitter at JMovieTalk um, as well as Instagram at JMT Podcast. Or you can email me at JMovieTalk at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or anything like that for movies or also too on we're on itunes um the tv zone podcast network so if you go to itunes and you leave us some you know reviews and everything for what you think about movie talk or the other shows that's a part of the network it'll be very much well appreciated it'll give the network more you know plays and more attention at least and everything like that over there on itunes but you can find all of our episodes of course on our host site at anchor uh, I said iTunes, uh, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, pretty much wherever you listen to your podcast that you can find the TV Zone Podcast Network. And like I said, you can listen to the Movie Talk um, as well as the other shows that are there also. Um, so I'll be back uh, for because I'm actually releasing a couple episodes uh, this week um, and everything. So Sin City is right now. Then I'm doing the Tenant episode that i have planned i'm going to review tenant or at least talk about it at least and then i'll be closing out robert rodriguez month with desperado uh, so yeah so look forward to that um i will catch you guys next time peace